0: Ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Wild are now 7-2 and two under John Hines as they beat the Vancouver Canucks 2-1 to one in a shootout. Let's talk about overtime. Let's talk about the penalty kill. Let's talk about Damon Hunt. All that and more as we break down today's win. Join us, won't you, for today's Locked on Wild Postcast. You are Locked on Wild Postcast part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And that's right. We are your team every day. Today's Locked On Wild postcast is ready to roll as the Minnesota Wild pick up a two to one shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks and uh, a little bit of revenge after what happens to the Wild in Vancouver the last time these two teams matched up. But there's a lot to pull from this game, to say the least, and a lot of encouraging things that we continue to see from the Wilds. Um, John Hines continuing to kind of define his go-to players in critical situations in overtime that was just just boring, um, <laughs> to say the least. And so I, I that's going to have to be a bigger conversation, I think, about what to do to make it so that three on three overtime isn't basically just playing a game of tag. Uh, but a, a lot of good that the Wild were able to uh, to do in this game against a uh, Vancouver team that was, um, it, it, that's a that's a good Vancouver team that the Wild played, and Casey DeSmith certainly up to the test here today. He was challenged a lot in this game. A lot of uh, shots right up in front of him, which is good. That that's something that we called for uh, and have called for throughout the season. But uh, Desmith was huge in this one. Uh, Philip Gustafson just was better, and it led to you know it's now six and one in the last seven starts for Gus Bus. He ranks near the top of the leaderboard in the NHL in every goalie category since John Hines took over because I think something that has helped a little bit in addition to Gus kind of finding himself is that we've gone back to the clearly defined goalie and backup like we don't have the you're gonna start and you're gonna start and you're gonna start it has been right back to Gustafson is our guy and he's going to get the majority of the starts. He started seven of the nine games since John Hines took over and John Hines coming from Nashville where he had UC Saros, who is in a similar workload type goalie. So he knows a thing or two about having a number one guy and giving them the Uh, opportunity to get that uh, number one level starts. And Gustafson has rewarded the team uh, by and large. Uh, I want to dive in because I know the penalty kill went five for five. And I'm curious as to if anybody else had a similar reaction to what we saw today. Honestly, like applause for the wild penalty kill being able to go five for five against a very dangerous um, Vancouver penalty uh, power play. I thought the Vancouver power play was off today. Like, did anybody, anybody else notice? It just seemed like they were a fraction off in this game, whether it be passes out to the top that were jumping over sticks, shots that uh, just players were missing on. And so again, again, full send credit to the wild penalty kill for keeping Vancouver's powerful play from getting going, but it definitely felt like it wasn't a Vancouver power play that was clicking on all cylinders. So I feel like the wilds got out of this game on the fortunate side, because it seemed as though it was always a situation of, are you going to take one too many penalties to put yourself in a situation that the penalty kill ends up hurting you? Um, it didn't here today. And I I was surprised, I guess, at just how kind of tight this game was. Um, obviously you've got good goalies on both ends. And so the opportunities, not as frequent as we've seen against some of the other teams, the wild have played recently. But again, we see this decor do some really good things to limit Vancouver from getting some of those really, really good looks that they were trying to get. Once again, you just you've got Brock Faber, who is the workhorse, uh, <laughs> over thirty minutes again in uh, in tonight's game, and he just has the look. And this has been talked about everywhere recently. He has the look of a guy that's going to be an incredibly good defenseman in this league because he has poise, he has instincts, he has knowledge of what needs to happen anytime he's out there on the ice, and he has the execution as well. He has all of these critical areas that you look for in many different aspects for Key defenseman in the NHL. Brock Faber has them already in his first full season in the NHL. Dude's going to be just an insanely good defenseman. And so the fact that the Wild were able to get him, I know it came at the expense of Kevin Fiala, but the fact that the Wild were able to get him to be just the natural turnover point, the natural handoff of the baton when Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen, um, reach the end of their careers, it it just, it's perfect. And so I, I love the fact that, and I know it was mostly due to circumstance with Jared Spurgeon, not being able to play in this one. I love the fact that we are seeing top power play time for Brock Faber, top penalty kill time for Brock Faber, overtime for Brock Faber. Every critical situation that you look for in top defensemen, he's already doing it. So that that's one of the things that I think really excites me the most about what we've seen since John Hines took over is he's just he's allowing these young players, younger players, to step into these um these key moments and allowing them to make the plays because let's let's backtrack a little bit to the uh the penalty kill guess who was the fourth defenseman on the penalty kill here today alex Golgoski? no john merrill thank god no uh it was damon hunt damon hunt got an opportunity to play on the penalty kill as the fourth defenseman for the Wilds, because obviously your top penalty killers defensively are going to be Middleton and Faber. But then Bogosian and Hunt getting the other majority of the penalty minutes is absolutely how that should be. And so kudos to John Hines for giving Damon Hunt an opportunity. And he was pretty pointed about it before the game. He said, We want to give Damon Hunt an opportunity to see what he's able to do. And I, I thought he looked good in this one. So I, I love the fact that we uh, are getting an opportunity to see him now. Um, we still are seeing particular players that uh, are in the lot in the, in the starting lineup that maybe we we don't need to see as much of and. It's the point now where I'm wondering if the call to keep particular players in the lineup is coming from the head coach or if it's coming from higher up. It could be it could be that the decision to play particular guys on the back end of the defense is coming from higher up the uh, higher up the ladder. Now, that's just my tinfoil hat for uh, for that. Um I have nothing to go off of in that regard, but I just would love to see Mermis and Hunt get an opportunity together um, in this one. Because, hey, let's let's give another shout-out to a guy who I think there was some head-scratching when he was brought onto the team. How about Zach Pagosian again tonight? I know he uh, was called for one of the penalties that... Um, that the Wild had to to try to kill off during the course of this game. But he got 18 minutes in this one. And it seems like, especially since Spurgeon has been hurt, and especially since Brodeen has gone down, you assumed that Brock Faber was going to be the go-to defenseman, that Jake Middleton was going to be next. Zach Bogosian has slid up the pecking order to a number three reliable defenseman for the wild in the absence of both Spurgeon and Brodeen. And I know he's, he's not a guy that you're going to want to rely on for top minutes per se, but he's a veteran. He knows what he is. He knows what he isn't. And like, you can't deny that his play has been better since those two guys have gone out of the lineup. And so when Spurgeon comes back, you feel pretty good about the the fact that you would have Spurgeon, Middleton, Bogosian, and Faber as your your top four. You feel pretty good about that group going to battle every game. It's that bottom pairing that continues to to just be a little bit of a a head scratcher. Um, so, I, um, you know. There there are still some things that are kind of um, there are still some things that are out there that you just you laugh kind of you chuckle because the team is winning and uh, there are some things that you're like, I hope that doesn't end up uh, coming back to bite us at some point. And uh, on the Kaprizov front, because I'm, I'm seeing the comments section, which is why I laughed because uh, there were some comments about my, a couple players in particular that, uh, that just made me chuckle. So we'll get to the comments section here in a little bit. But I do want to talk about the Kaprizov situation as well because we continue to see Kaprizov not be able to. He had some opportunities in this one, wasn't able to get on the score sheet from a goals perspective. I have a thought on that situation that we'll talk about here in a second, but uh, obviously the big takeaway, Philip Gustafson just continues to look like a number one goalie. Again, he looks like every bit of what he was last year and he is, he has stood back up and said, all right, guys, I got you against some pretty tough teams over his uh, last seven starts. And so, Wilder they they said it the broadcast now I don't agree with the notion that this team is back to 500 because let's let's go to let's go to school here for a second the Wilder 12 12 and 4 they have four overtime losses but guess what those still count as losses so it's not 500 you have four losses that just took longer to happen than regular losses so this team is still 12 and 16 but they're just two points out of a playoff spot right now and they have a game in hand on almost everybody in the division and in the western conference and so there are some things that are encouraging about what we've seen and the fact that the wild are now two points out of a playoff spot that's where we ride. That's what we want, and so a lot to uh, to further dive into here in this one. I can already tell this is going to be a long postcast, but hey, that's fine. We've uh, we got a lot to um we got a lot to discuss here in this one. So uh, let's pause for just a second, and uh, we'll come back. We'll take your comments, and we'll further break down a two to one shootout win for the Minnesota Wilds as we continue today's Locked on Wild Postcast after this. Today's Locked on Wild Postcast is brought to you by Game Time. Folks, the holiday season is here, and if you are buying tickets to a concert, to watch the Wolves, to watch the Wild, to watch the Vikings, if you're buying tickets for those events over the holiday season and beyond, there's nothing worse than trying to find tickets that are too expensive, or worse, buying tickets for somebody in your family or a friend or whatever, and getting to the event and finding that your view is obstructed. Game time is here to make the ticket buying experience as stress free as possible. They offer last minute deals plus views of every single seat in the venue. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's Locked on Wild Postcast also brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, except if you're in Minnesota, because it hasn't yet, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is incredibly easy to use with a wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you picked the Minnesota Wilds to prevail in this one today, hopefully you took the under, and hopefully you took a Freddie Goudreau anytime goal. Those were both some bets that cashed in today's win against the Vancouver Canucks. All that and more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's Locked on Wild Postcast. The Minnesota Wilds pick up a 2-1 to shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks as uh, they improve to 12-12-4. and four. Let's get to your comments here uh, for today's Locked on Wild Postcast. We start with Mike. Nice win. Gus and Zuccarello really came up big in this one today. And uh, we talked about the Gustafson numbers. He's six and one in his last seven starts. His goals against average and save percentage are uh, either tops or near the top of the list in the NHL since he was given the opportunity to be that number one guy. I I know the logic behind the alternating starts for your goalies, but it ends up creating a situation in which you're basically penalized after a good start. You are given the opportunity to get back on track after a bad start, but the fact that they're riding the hot hand with Gustafson right now, which we expected and hoped would be the hot hand all season. It, again, you go back to what John Hines had in Nashville with UC Soros, pretty easy for him to be the number one guy but not forcing a guy in to the net because he hasn't played in a hot minute and just going with a guy that is in full rhythm, full groove is making some great saves and is continuing to just put this team in position to win night in night out. That's all you can hope for from your goalie. And Philip Gustafson has done that in spades and uh, just continues to, um, this continues to be great for the uh the Minnesota Wild here uh, over the last 7 starts ever since he was uh, was put back in as the uh the number one guy. Crafty Auntie, I thought Caril was a little sluggish. Defense was certainly the adventures of the good, the bad and Merrill. Yeah. We're all in tandem here about the fact that uh, you continue to just try to limit the exposure of that third pairing. And uh, John Merrill today had a, uh, j- honestly, it, I was floored at the number of minutes that he played in this game today because, you know, you want to talk about overloading Brock Faber with with minutes in a game. And, uh, and Faber checked in with a uh, 31-34 on this game. Folks, if we continue to give John Merrill 10 minutes and 6 seconds of ice time a night, you are at major risk of overloading him um, if you continue to... to, (laughs) I can't even do it with a straight face. 10 minutes and 6 seconds for John Merrill, which at some point, you have to wonder, are you really getting enough to be able to throw somebody that little on the ice is the upside really that much to throw a guy on the ice for that little time in a game in which you went to overtime and you went to a shootout. What would be the harm? Like, what are you really risking by giving that 10 minutes and six seconds to Dakota Mermis and maybe not having to have Brock Faber out there for 31 minutes or Jake Middleton out there for 27 minutes. Or Zach Bogosian out there for 21-28. Damon Hunt played 14 minutes, 44 seconds in this game tonight. I think that should be the, the good thing that we see here is that he outpaced, um, he outpaced Johnny Vibes. But, I mean, 10 minutes and 6 seconds is like when... Uh, an NFL team gets one possession in the first half, and they just cannot—they cannot get back on the field. Like, give it to somebody else. That's all I'm saying. And on the Carroll front, because uh, B also noting that um, Kaprizov went top shelf on the shootout and came up short. So I—I I think we are fully in a dual dichotomy here with Kaprizov. I think he is still, because Michael Russo talked about this and has talked about it. Dean Evason talked about it after he was fired. I think he still is dealing with the injury, still is trying to figure out how to play through the injury, not sure what to do while dealing with the injury, and now also is pressing, is trying to do, Kaprizov in the shootout was about as automatic as you could get, but now he's trying to force it. He's trying to push it. And these last two shootout attempts that he's had, he goes flying up the ice and tries to, before the goalie can figure out what's going on, tries to tuck one high. He's rushing. He's pushing because of that pressure. And my my take on this is that the hope is that he gets this figured out thankfully the team is able to win now without him play without him scoring so that when some of these other players that kind of are on track right now fall back down a little bit that maybe he can be the one to step in and to uh, to take the heat off of them. But the fact that they're winning right now without him contributing from a points perspective really at all is is good. But it's at some point if he could just have and maybe it'll be against Montreal because spoiler alert, Montreal has not gotten any better since the Wild played them and had that game where they had three uh, special teams goals against the the Montreal's not any better. And so maybe that can be kind of a get right game for Kaprizov to get, you know, two goals, take some of that pressure off of him to have to try to find different ways to score. He's, he's still trying to figure out the right way to do the things that he wants to do while also dealing with some clear limitations. And so he's, he's stuck in between, I think, at this point, and the longer that happens, the more problematic it is. But it's it's a it's something that he is going to have to get to the point that he figures out. Otherwise, those zeros are going to uh, continue to happen here for Kirill uh, the Thrill. Tyler joining us. Great game by Hunt. Freddie stepped up by uh, just when things were looking lost for him. Zuccarello pulling in Uno reverse. Being the shootout hero, Gus was easily the first star. And yes, Gus was the first star here tonight. Uh, this is interesting because this is another one of those narratives from this game that I think is is fun to um is fun to pull from in that I don't th- we haven't seen since John Hines took over, we haven't seen the, I'm gonna call it the Freddy Force. We haven't seen Freddie Goudreau stuffed up into the top six because he's been the third-line guy every game since John Hines took over, and there hasn't even been an inkling to try to shove him up into the top six because the spots that should be occupied, at least from the center perspective in those top two lines, are currently taken by Jewel Eriksenak and Marco Rossi. And that's how it should be every game this season. And so I think that has led to Goudreau maybe not being asked as much that he has been. But I think we also have to keep in mind that that injury that Goudreau suffered at the hands of Ryan Reeves against Toronto, pretty serious. And so him Being able to move past it now and get back to actually playing has led to him looking much better since he recovered. Um, I, I think also the fact that he's not being forced into one of those top six spots has just helped him play more of his game as opposed to having to play a style that you expect from a guy in the top six. And that has been something that we haven't seen a ton of, with the exception of uh, Marcus Johansson. Who, hey, let's um, let's give some applause because Marcus Johansson, on a couple of different occasions in today's game, actually skated up to the the goalie and got shots on net, which is an improvement over what we've seen from earlier in the season, where he just skates directly past the net into the corner for some reason doesn't get a shot or in the case of the uh, Calgary flames game skates right up to the net. And at the last second, tries to pass it across the crease to Zuccarello for a shot that he never has an opportunity to get off because he's too close to the net because he didn't assume that he was going to be the one getting the shot. So props for Johansson, I guess, for actually shooting in uh, in this game. But with the exception of that, we really haven't seen a ton of like, we have to force a guy into this spot because I think he can be in that spot. It's been a lot more of the, your minutes are earned. Because again, look at the minute count in today's game. Jewel Erickson, 22 minutes, 47 seconds. Led the team. As it should be Kaprizov had 22 minutes. And I I know there are lulls with what Kaprizov is doing right now, but Kaprizov is, is somebody that should be one of your top minute getters because once he gets going, once he figures this all out, it's he's going to be one of the leaders for this team, especially offensively. After that, it was Matt Boldy, 18 minutes. And then beyond that, you've got Zuccarello at 16.55, Goudreau at 16.03, Johansson had 15.49, and then Felino at 14.57. But the point being here, Rossi with 14.37 tonight, by the way, but the point being that Ek, Caprizoff and Boldy should be the guys leading pretty much every night. And so the fact that they were, again, here tonight is just something that uh, he continues, Coach Hines does, continues to use the guys as opposed to throwing Freddie 19 minutes or whatever else. Hines is is going with the combinations that um, put this team in the best opportunity to win and they continue to do so. Tyler also noting the penalty kill is looking good lately, but I sure wish we saw them a lot less. And it sounds as though, I missed the comment, but it sounds as though Hines is going to address the penalties because this is exactly right. You're playing with fire because it's pretty much the entirety. It's the same combination of players. The effort has been much better on the penalty kill, but you really run the risk, especially against these good teams on the power play. You really run the risk of putting yourself in position to where you give up the go ahead goal. And again, as I noted, I didn't think Vancouver's power play looked particularly sharp here tonight. If they would have been on their game, maybe they come away with a goal and you end up with a different story as to what happened here today. But Credit to, the, um, credit to the wild penalty kill for doing the job. But again, your penalty kill is better the less it is utilized. The fewer times it's utilized in a game. Um, yeah, now finally getting back to the uh, couple players in particular. Some people are being forced into the lineup. A couple misfits. The back end of the defense is unreliable. I think we're picking up what you're throwing down. So uh, I'm glad that I'm glad that my subtlety kind of snuck in um, with, with those two guys. But yeah, it's, it's tricky to try to navigate with those two in the lineup, assuming that you're just not going to, uh, to give up goals. John, what's happening. We are shooting for a low first round pick. If they squeak into the playoffs, they'll get manhandled by Vegas or Dallas a surefire sure bloodletting first-round defeat. And look, I, I don't disagree here because I think everybody is on the same page as to ultimately with everything that's going on with this franchise, with the money that they are not able to currently spend, with the roster construction, it's a hard sell. It's a hard ask. To get this team deeper into the postseason than some of the others that are at full cap capacity that have franchise players that have elite level goaltending and just have lineups that make you want to vomit anytime you go up against them. But this is what the objective is for this franchise every single season is to get to the postseason. That is the benchmark. For this team, it it's not make a deep run. It's not get yourself to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. As of right now, the objective for this team, the metric for success is I'm going to steal this from Christian Ponder back when he said it because I thought it sounded weird back then. It sounds weird now. Our goal is make playoffs. That's it. That's the objective. And so if you make the postseason, you consider that a success, which is why you hear in the instance of Bill Guerin saying after last year that he didn't think the season was a, was a failure. You made the playoffs. That's That's the objective right now. And so until that mindset changes, until you realize that you're going to have to um you're gonna have to pull back a little bit and really legitimately um take a hard look at this thing and start to cultivate. Um you're gonna continue to do the same thing. So I, I mean the goal right now continues to be get to the playoffs and that's that's it like Colorado they they fell out of it guess what they ended up getting rewarded for Kale McCarr and uh, Nathan McKinnon Tampa Bay they fell to the bottom of the barrel they ended up getting Stephen Stamkos and Andre Vasilevsky like in order to get Those like franchise altering players. And I know it's not, I know it's not an end all be all because if it was, more teams would do it. It's not an end all be all. Edmonton getting Connor McDavid, they have not, they came close one time to getting to the Stanley Cup final. And that was ended because Mike Smith couldn't stop a puck that was sent towards him from. Dead center of the ice. It's not an end all be all, but a lot of teams that win, Stanley Cups, have players that they got because they were bad. that's that's just as simple as it is. And so if we continue to just hold the benchmark of getting to the postseason is a success, then you're going to continue to draft 21, 22, 23. And honestly, for me, it's even with that big picture in there, um, even with that big picture in front of us, like I still enjoy it more when this team wins. And so I put the blinders on to see the team win because winning is fun. And there's not enough of it that's done here in the state of Minnesota. I mean, I had the Vikings game on directly next to the Minnesota Wild game here today. And you want to talk about ways that Minnesota teams find to lose games? That was a masterclass by the Minnesota Vikings today in how to lose a game. But we're not here to talk about the Vikings. We're here to talk about the Minnesota Wild. And so, until this team says, yeah, we need to take a step back and really like look at this thing, because guess what? Guess what the other part to this is? You've seen what you can get from young players, from Brock Faber, from Marco Rossi. Matt Boldy's still young and continuing to uh, to do some really good things. Youth can always take what the expectations are for them, and elevate them by rising to the opportunities. A lot of times with veteran players, what you see is what you get. So until this team acknowledges that simply getting to the postseason is not a good reason to get there, then we just continue to full steam ahead for the uh, playoff push. Um, yeah, it's, it's (sighs) big sigh after that one. Um, let's get back to some of the comments here before we uh, call it an afternoon. Faber reminds me of Scott Niermeier of the cup winning Devils fame, smooth skating, smart, super calm, just a leader and a winner. He needs the C and John, I think he will get it at some point. I don't know when, but I think Brock Faber is going to be future captain. Um, just, just We may as well just start acknowledging him as future captain Brock Faber because he has all the temperament. He, every bit of the equation for a great defenseman, but also a great leader, he has every single objective crossed off already that you would look for in that type of a player. And the fact that he's here is exciting. You've got Spurgeon right now, but Spurgeon's not going to play forever. And I think Faber is, I I think you just, you hand it to him the moment that Jared Spurgeon retires or moves on. You hand it to him the moment that happens and you just, you just go with it because he, he already, every bit of what you would want. Um, Every bit of what you would want in a captain. He already is. And he's only going to continue to get better as his career unfolds. So future captain Brock Faber is absolutely the answer for the question of who should be the future captain. It's Brock Faber. Bob joining us. Thank you for uh, giving the smash the like button um, boost here. We, we always love having these postcasts after uh, after games win or lose if it's a loss we we go a little further into some of the things that likely led to the loss let's get Merrill's minutes down even more please I'm I'm in favor of that uh we always like to uh, get the conversations continued uh regardless of whether whether this team wins or loses because i think as mike points out like we're not gonna we're not gonna candy coat it like i just i don't think even even if this team were to go on some sort of a massive heater beyond what they've done i don't think it's a a team that's that's got a good shot at you know a a stanley cup run this year it's just with what they currently have it's not something that is going to be incredibly easy for them. And so like we always are keeping that future goal in mind and if it's something that i don't view as attainable i'm not going to try to dream my way into it because that's just that's just miserable on myself is you get your hopes up and that sort of a thing doesn't happen that's just no fun. So we always keep it 100% here uh, on Locked on Wild. And so everybody that appreciates listening to episodes um, on a daily basis, we thank you because I do this for all of you. So the fact that we've got a uh, very healthy listener base to continue to tune into episodes when it's when it's going good, when we have the opportunity to talk about the good stuff, or like this last week when uh, some of the the bad, happens we're we're gonna tell it how it is no matter what's going on with this team because that's what the fans deserve so i think that is about all i have for today's show now i did see um john had a comment here uh in regards to what has been going on with bill Guerin, and i'm not ducking it it's just there's a lot of speculation going on as to what is happening and what will continue to happen with this. Cause if you listen to Michael Russo's appearance with Dan Barrero on KFan on Friday, it's not over, but for the sake of just purely speculating, um, we'll just continue to react to stuff after it happens. And that's, that's about all we can do, uh, with that situation. Um, Bob noting the lunchbox work ethic keeps everyone back. Then when they, then when they show up winning eight of the last 10 is great. Hope it goes longer. I agree. Let's uh, let's continue to um, let's continue to keep this winning going because it distracts from all the other stuff (laughs) that's going on. Um, But yeah, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on wild wins, wild news, wild notes, all of that. And so, if you have yet to, although I know everybody in the comment section here has, if you have yet to subscribe to Lockdown Wild, make sure that you do because otherwise you are missing out. And uh, let your friends know too that if they haven't subscribed, great source for Minnesota Wild news and information, as well as game breakdowns, is right at their fingertips by just looking for Lockdown Wild on social media. So, Appreciate everybody hopping into the comments section here for today's postcast, but that is uh, going to do it for today. The Minnesota Wilds pick up a 2-1 to shootout win over Vancouver. Pittsburgh next up on Monday. We'll chat about that game with Alex Micheletti for your Micheletti Mon- Victory Micheletti Monday episode of Lockdown Wild. We get another Victory Micheletti Monday, which is great. So make sure to tune in for Monday's episode. Until then, enjoy the rest of your weekends. Your Minnesota Wild are now 12, 12, and 4 on the season. And you can follow along for the rest of the season, whether that includes a postseason run or not, by following along with Locked on Wild. New episodes, all yours every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.